The Club Championship Show on OTB Sports. Brilliant game of hurling, edge your seat stuff, Tony Kelly, masterclass from start to finish. To win a Connacht Senior Championship is uh, it's special. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Time for us to head to uh, Qatar for the last time, I think, with uh, Kev. Kevin Caban, good morning to you. Oh, he's back on Monday, obviously, but how are you? Good morning, Jay. I don't, I don't normally get you on Friday. What, what, what's happening here? Well, um, the the school show was on today, and so I had to switch with Adrian Barry, and it suited him. Ah. So, yeah, um, well, yeah every, everything's got to suit Adrian, hasn't it? Between 10.30 and 2 o'clock today, I'll be watching the same set of carols being sung by five different classes. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be done. It has to be done. It, it absolutely, it absolutely has to be done. And apparently, you're not allowed to bring a hip flask. It's frowned upon. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah, I don't know. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. That, look, it's great. They're, they're, they're all excellent, and they've all been working really hard for a long period of time. And I'm very excited about we're it. Controlling the control buttons. There's just focus on the process. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're showing up. You can't, you can't contain your emotions right now, then, eh? No. Um, right, so look, we, have, we, we had some quickfire stuff that we wanted to uh, get through. And then I do want to talk to you about some trends and any lessons for Ireland from uh, what we've seen over the last while. So, best player of the tournament, outside the obvious. Uh, obviously, outside Messi and um, Mbappe, then we're looking at. Uh, best goal was the first one, not best player. I misread it. Best goal. Yeah. You've gone for Chavez. Best goal. I mean, do you know what the, the, the reason why I went for Chavez was technically as 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 a free kick. It's one of the best free kicks you'll you'll, you'll see, and uh, I love a free kick. But I've heard I've heard some of you guys been on over the last week or so that their free kick doesn't count, but technically unbelievable goal. And you know, you've got the, the probably if I if I really think about it, the goal for one moment, which could have been a great moment, the Neymar goal against Croatia in oh, that yeah. quarter final as a team goal was just unbelievable. Even the Vegas goal late on against. Um, against Argentina the way that, that that came about for one moment unbelievable Sterling's goal Abubakar's chip but Abubakar's scoop he would never ever have done that even the Richarlison's one um Richarlison's one was it, it wasn't a great touch and he had to sort his feet out so to finish it was a great finish and I'm not can't take anything away on that moment that stage but I think technically um Chavez free kick was was absolutely perfect um I think a free kick counts. By the way, I think you're, it's it's a Joe who uh, has the. Yeah, of course it's Joe, isn't it? You know, do you know what Joe's like? That was his theory. I I think that like it actually counts more because it, you've you've got the uh, oh this is a big moment. I'm thinking about this now. Everybody's watching as opposed to right balls in the air. I need to do the thing that comes instinctively. So you've gone for Messi as player. Uh, the story, the final isn't written yet. Are we tempting fate or does it? Yeah. Um. Well, I think I don't. I don't think it tarnishes his legacy in any way, win or lose. I don't think that that's going to be the thing. But um, I, I genuinely hope he does win. I think most football fans hope he does win, just for for everything that he's given us over the last fifteen, twenty years. If it's his last game playing for Argentina, then so be it. I think I think certainly he can retire happy, can't can't he, off the back of a, of a big win? But um, I, I think man for man, French are, the French are a better side, and I think. I just think France are going to win the game, Jerry. I just look at the side and, I mean, I was listening to you just before, actually, when you were talking to Ron Nogara, there's a virus running through the side. Um, that, that, could, that could be a key, a key thing with it. If they're not fully fit, they're not right, that, that, could, be, that could play into Argentina's hands. But um, 
if you have to say, honestly, I'd say the player of the tournament is Messi, just what he's done single-handedly. But Antoine Griezmann has to be right up there with him. Antoine Griezmann, every single game from the first game against Australia has been he's just been brilliant every single match he's played in so I think Griezmann certainly can give Mbappe and um, and uh, Messi a run for the money Can I just ask you quick, quickly about Griezmann Kev uh, he's kind of reinvented himself would it be fair to say like he's playing a completely yeah. different role now and he, he's back clearing balls off the line he's you know orchestrating more than finishing now it's fascinating how uh, I suppose is that because of the surplus of attacking players that they had that they needed and maybe a deficit in the middle of the part that they needed someone who was going to create maybe more than they had the finishers already yeah, I, I do you know what Michael as well. Maybe a little bit of he's got to compensate a little bit for uh, for Mbappe. Mbappe's work rate of getting back into the side it, it's not always going to be there. So Mbappe, sorry, Griezmann seems to be doing a bit of the work for for uh, for Mbappe. He's playing as a ten, although you'll see him in in the six role at times. He'll be sat in front of the back four. He'll be taking the ball off the defenders. He'll be he'll be trying to almost dictate the run of play and. Uh, dictate the tempo of a game. So you'll see him working back, you'll see him clearing balls out of the 18-yard box and you'll see him then sprinting forward to get on the end of things. So I think creativity-wise, I mean, the, the first goal um, that France scored the other night against, uh, against Morocco, if, if you watch it from, from the tactical cam and you see his movement in the build-up to that goal and when France was shifting the ball from left to right and coming back on itself, he must have made about four or five different runs, just little runs, and one little subtle movement opened up Morocco because it just left too big a gap between the, the, the left wing-back and the left centre-half the ball was then easily slotted down the outside and the game just opened up in that one movement and um, in that one moment, shall I say. So it's it's so it's so um it's such fine margins when you get to, you know, that type of game, that semi final like it was, because Morocco weren't really gonna shift, they weren't really gonna budge and it was Griezmann that opened up the game with just movement. It wasn't necessarily being on the ball that actually that, that actually created that goal. So I think the cleverness of his runs you say reinventing himself? I just think, honestly, I just think he's had a, a, an unbelievable desire to be involved in everything that France have done, and I think that's basically been the key to it. Playing as a ten, I think, has helped him. We've seen him play off the right hand side for France and Atletico and Barcelona and things over the years. I just think the number ten role suits him because he's literally been instrumental in everything that, that France have done. Yeah, and Deschamps has to get some of the credit here. Like when you think back to how he turned Pogba into somebody who was completely consistent, very reliable, did exactly yeah. what he was supposed to do, 100% a team player four years ago. Then all of a sudden his first choice centre midfield gets ripped out because of injury. And it's like, no, I can fix this, no problems. And Griezmann's going to yeah, be my solution. That, like, I think, I, do you know what, Jerry? I think that's exactly what it is as well. Like, um, Schumann, that's been playing and doing, he's doing well, I have to say that he's doing well, but. He's not nowhere near on the level of of, of Kante. When you watch the, the when you watch what Kante brought to that French side, he's not at that level. I don't think you know. I don't think he's great on the ball. I think that's going to improve with, with time when he's playing at, at Real Madrid as well. But Griezmann, has, I, I think he's probably just taken that responsibility. I think he's thirty one now. Maybe he, there could be a feeling within him: this is my last real chance of, of a World Cup, and and it's now or never with him. And uh, I think this has definitely been Griezmann's best tournament. He was brilliant at 2016 in, in the Euros, but I think he's taken his game onto a new level here. Uh, so, a most underwhelming player of the tournament? Uh, oh, that has to be Kevin De Bruyne, doesn't it? Um, I think Belgium so 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 underwhelming as a, as a team coming into the tournament. Everyone talking about this being the last chance, but with De Bruyne in the side, I think everybody just thinks, well, something could happen. They, they might do something special in, in, in any game, and 
I watched them. I watched them live against uh, against uh, Canada in the first game, and he just he, he just wasn't himself. Now, obviously, clearly it, there's been issues within that camp. Clearly, there's something wrong. But um, watching Kevin De Bruyne, I think it was probably the worst performance I've ever seen him have. Watching him live, um, I mean, he might not necessarily say that himself, but I, I, I just was watching him giving the ball away. I was watching his first touch wasn't quite right. He just he, mentally he probably wasn't in the right headspace. And uh, that showed. So, it, 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 in my opinion, it would have to be De Bruyne. Yeah. Can he recover from that and play really well for City? Is it, is it going to be like a release back into the warm embrace of Pep Guardiola and everything's going to be fine? Yeah. Or is this just the natural arc of a footballer? You reach very high heights, and then at some point, you stop being as good as you were. He, he has. To, he has to get back to the De Bruyne that we've seen Jay doesn't he because the level that he was at coming into the tournament was as good as he's been so I, I, that was the most surprising thing we were looking at it he was still scoring he was still creating this season the relationship that he's got with Haaland I, I just probably feel that there was something wrong there was something wrong in that camp and I don't necessarily see that he's reached a, reached a peak or anything at the moment because he's only 31 like I'm uh, you know it's too early for me to be writing him off yeah. Well, you already have. Yeah, maybe. there you go. Yeah, but I'm. Are you, are you, so, you're, so you're writing him off. So that's it. De Bruyne is I'm, gone. Is I'm that, rolling is back. The, is that the headline? I'm rolling yeah. back. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> De I, I've learned. Gone, yeah, that's it. He's done. He's done. He's done. Then. All right. He's no longer a failure. <laughs> uh, your favourite match was um, Holland Argentina. Like it was. Uh, so Holland Argentina has obviously given us some incredible ends to matches. You know, Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. And uh, yeah. here we go again. Like it, you know, it couldn't possibly be better than that. And then it ends up being much better than that, even. Yeah, the the game. Let's be honest. Probably the first half was 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 crap, wasn't it? And even maybe sixty minutes, whatever it was. But I, I think that last twenty minutes of the game, or whatever it is, that will just take our judgment over everything. If you're looking at one individual match, it wasn't the greatest of games, but. By God, that that last you, you you were literally on the end of the edge of your seat when you were watching it. You were jumping down. You, the emotions throughout. It was such a great game to watch. It was amazing. Paddy Barkley got a grief on Twitter during the week. I think I'm fairly sure it was him for saying um, everybody was calling for FIFA to let the game flow, and now it's costing loads of really good players opportunities because of injury. Yeah, and uh, there's a there's a general shithousery is being accepted like all the way through to Emmy Martinez basically saying the game is corrupt and not getting banned I was amazed yeah. that they did nothing because Emmy Martinez I don't know if you've seen the interview right but the interview was like it was a really I great did, game yeah. Was, yeah, but like you're, you know you've just qualified and you were amazing he's like yeah but I do want to talk about the referee and that shower over there and I was like this is <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> I know, but that, that happened a few times with referees. I mean, the referee standard up to maybe the quarterfinals was actually really good. There was no issues, no real issues. A couple of maybe issues with VAR earlier on. I think, you know, remember the Harry Maguire incident against, against Iran when it was clearly a penalty when he was getting wrestled to the ground and there was no pen given. And then they give Iran a penalty late on in that game. It was almost as if someone had spoke to VAR during running and said, look, you're going to have to sort this out. And they kind of corrected themselves and give a penalty for a shirt tug, whatever it was. And everything went OK. There was a couple of decisions that VAR maybe called referees back that shouldn't have been. But by and large, it was OK. And then we hit the quarterfinals. And I'm sure the message to referees, I'm sure it probably comes from the top, as you said, let the games flow. Let's not be giving yellow cards out early. And... Um, and then all of a sudden, this the referees were a joke. The, some of the decisions they were they were doing, they, they'd lost control of games. But 
honestly, it was like a throwback. It was a spectacle in itself, watching all these players losing their heads. And then we got to the stage where, as you say, Martinez and a couple of players did interviews just to say that, look, that referee should not be touching a game now. He should not be anywhere near it. So it's uh, it, it was it was funny. It was funny watching the, the progression of referees in this tournament and that, that went full circle, making terrible decisions that were corrected almost in running. Then we came back to, to where we are now. So... I think is it. I think the Polish referee got the got the final. I think Joe wasn't it. I think it's the Polish referee that's got the final. And I was surprised he got it because there was talk of the MLS ref getting it simply because he he was a Concacaf ref and they were quite pleased. I think FIFA the way that it was handling games. But I think it makes more sense to have the Polish ref who's refereed at a, a, a real elite level. I wouldn't want an MLS ref doing doing a cha- doing a, a World Cup final. So um, there'll be a bit of pressure on him and will. Argentina then be calling him out as a European ref. He's got bias towards France or whatever it will be. So it was a big call maybe by FIFA giving him the game. But uh, I'll see how that goes, John. I'm going to laugh and see what's going to happen with these um, Argentina Argentina lads because anything can happen with those guys. Um, you've, you've told us your prediction is France. It feels like France are a far superior team and under normal circumstances would be quite heavy favourites. In, in a little bit kind of similar to what it was against Croatia. Uh, four years ago but anytime I say that to people they keep making the case yeah but Argentina have actually got better game on game they they look much better yeah. as the tournament has progressed and that's a very powerful thing as well yeah but Jerry, I, I, honestly if you, if you really watch the games they haven't been great and so many of the midfield players just literally get, like passing the ball out of play you know we're, we're doing the island games Jerry, so often and you're like looking at our midfield players and we're going like Take the ball. No one's taking the ball. They're not turning. They're not taking uh, across the shoulder. They're not switching play. And Argentina midfield players, DePaul and one or two others maybe in there. They're just making so many fundamental errors, giving the ball away, so, and everything's just relying on Messi just producing something. So, yes, they've got better as a team, but I just think they've become more solid as a team. I mean, Otamendi playing at the back for them. Who would have thought Nicolas Otamendi? We've seen him over the years being this rash defender, you know, getting tight with, with attacking players, getting caught out of position. And Otamendi's been brilliant. He's been outstanding throughout the tournament. So I don't think they've got I don't think they've got a great team. I don't think they've got great individual players, but they're coming together for maybe one goal, one purpose or whatever you want to say. And yeah. if they if if they're gonna win it, it it'll be messy, won't it? From an Ireland perspective, uh, we obviously like to stick on our green glasses. Um what's your instinct about the, the countries that have put a plan in place uh, adapted and adopted that plan and are making progress are there lessons to be drawn from our perspective yeah I, th- I think there are of course there's, there'll be lessons I'm sure Stephen Kenny will have a takeaway from this World Cup and I'm sure he's he, I mean he's been over here hasn't he so he's been watching games um, I think everyone would maybe make comparisons of Morocco with us look, look what Morocco did and, and, and look but Morocco put a plan in place, I think it was 15 years ago now, 2007. I think they invested around $20 million into a, into, a, into a facility that was like a centre of excellence. We're, we're going to try and create, we're going to try and put our best players into this into this academy and we're going to try and create something. Um, what's the place in, in France called? Um, Clairefontaine. Clairefontaine. A similar sort of thing to that, from what I'm led to believe, from what I read anyway. I know most of the players are uh, are foreign born. There's Dutch born, there's Spanish born, there's French born within that side, and most of the best players are, are, are actually foreign born. But at least they tried to get something in place. They tried to do something, and I said a huge investment went into that, and they tried to make some sort of excellence that's going to create the next group of players. 
But watching them, Jay, I think there was a clear plan defensively, um, whether they were played four at the back or five at the back. But certainly when they played with four, I think they were so organised when they didn't have the ball. They had a way to defend deep, a low block, as, as Nathan likes to say. Um, you know, he, he likes to get involved in the technical terms, Jay. You know what you know what Nathan's like. But um, he um, he. You know, so they're playing from a low block. They're playing from a, from a system that's going to suit them first of all. So they're going to get the defensive unit of the of the side right. But the fundamentals get your fundamentals right when you don't have the ball. But you have to you have to find a way that you're going to open up sides. And with Amrabat in midfield, how he took the ball under pressure, how he would he would try and thread passes straight through the middle of play. That then you know when you make that pass through the middle. You get, you get, you break a line, as they say, another Nathan technical term. You break a line with your pass, and the game opens up. And they had a great way of playing out from deep line positions. They also had ball carriers, you know, Ziesh and um, Unani. I mean, Unani, this guy plays for Angers. They're, they're, I think, the bottom of the French league. This guy's going to be a superstar if, if, if we see the level that he's performed in this tournament and wherever, wherever he's going to go. But he's definitely going to leave Angers. The way that he could take the ball under pressure, the way that he could carry the ball in midfield. So, you know, like if you watch Luka Modric and watching that performance against Brazil, I'd say probably the, the performance of this World Cup because he had a bit of a nightmare in the game prior against Japan. He looked gassed. It looked like there was nothing left in the tank. And then he he won Croatia that game. He got Croatia through that match with, with the level that he showed in, 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 the, in his performance. But if you watch what he does when he's on the ball, like he's not just... He's not just a player that, that plays two-touch, one and two-touch, get it, give it. He's a player that takes the ball under pressure. He can wriggle, wriggle away from, from, uh, from pressure that he's under. But he also drives forward 10, 20, 30 yards or whatever it is. And just by doing that, he opens up a game. And he does something that's a bit unconventional as well in how he receives the pass as well, Jer. So he, he, he runs beyond a player in an unconventional position of the pitch. Usually if it's a midfield player and say the fullback's got the ball, they'll drop away from play. Usually as it is now, they'll drop into the back line, take the ball when um, when there's nobody near them. So they're trying to dictate the tempo. But what Modric does, he actually steps beyond the the attacking player. So usually it'll be a 10 or a nine, whatever it will be that will that will drop back to, to prevent the, the holding midfielder getting on the ball. We saw it so often, you know, USA did it against Declan Rice. They, they just dropped the two centre-forwards back and they kind of were on a little bit of a pivot to try to stop him getting on the ball. But what Modric does, he steps beyond that guy and he takes the ball beyond them. So again, that opens up the game further further forward. And I think there's little lessons like that for any young midfield player, maybe a coach that's coaching midfielders, that there's ways to get on the ball and not necessarily... Being a conventional footballer, and I think that's what Morocco did. Certainly with Amrabat, he did very similar things to what Modric did in taking the ball under pressure, but also stepping beyond uh, uh, the opposition attacking players to open up the game. And he's passing forward as well, which obviously opened up the game. So I think Morocco, Morocco, are probably the natural one you'd look at to think how have they done it? Yes, they've got players in the top levels, and maybe we don't have players at the Moroccan level, but. I think there's certainly a way that if we can get one or two players that, that that's raising the standard and playing at a, at a higher level, um, I think there's certainly teams like Morocco, maybe some one or two of the other African side as well that certainly excelled and got out. Even the US, even the US, like everyone was telling me, and I said to this, everyone was telling me, oh, US, what a team, they're a great team. US are not a great team. They've got three very, very good midfielders. They're bang average at the back. They've got an average goalkeeper. And then up front, the bang average as well. Pulisic runs around a lot, but... 
he doesn't he doesn't create an awful lot. They don't create a lot of chances, but they've got three top class midfielders, and that's that's the thing that they had. And in McKenney, in in Musa, and of course uh, Tyler Adams, and that's what got the USA through the tournament. That's what got them to the last sixteen. So I think there's certain lessons that we can learn from a lot of sides. Yeah. Um. Obviously, our, our next game is going to be against France, who are potential double World Cup champions. Um, and uh, the group uh, looks a little tricky. The uh, Dutch yeah. also looking pretty good, uh, which means that the referendum on Stephen Kenny continues, and we're we're perpetually stuck in this cycle of conversation about that, as opposed to holding the FAI to account for all the rest of the stuff where they couldn't organise an an, uh, an AGM last night, where the voting. It didn't work, you know. They, they, yeah, I, I read a little bit about it, so I'll have to read more on it today. But I did, I did see a few things on Twitter and things like that around it, though, Joe. Yeah. Um, have you have you thoughts about the successful countries and what they're doing? Um, I, I get I, well. What I would say certainly, uh, say if you're looking at the top coaching wise with um, with Morocco, the coach Ali Hodjic gets into the tournament and then they sack him because he's not bringing the best player into the side. Um, in Ziyech so obviously um, Rodragi comes in and he basically only gets the job because he's bringing Ziyech into the squad so that's not necessarily a good thing really it's not a good look from from Morocco but what I would say is they've found a way to get the best players into the side that's what the fans want to see they want to see the best players at the tournament so that has got to be you know a prerequisite for, for everyone you've got to play your best players you've got to have them because that's what that's what everybody wants to see Um but I think certainly if you're looking at it from from the the technical aspect and, and what coaches are doing and, and what we're doing, as much as, of course, the results haven't gone right for, for, for Stephen Kenny. And I think, by and large, a lot of the performance haven't, haven't been great. But... I think I think it has been. I think there has been a progression there. I think that I think it's a steady progression. Um, everyone's looking to quickly call out Stephen, and they're good luck. You know, we, we you know things didn't go well, particularly great in the Malta and Norway games recently. And everyone's like saying, "Oh, we've gone backwards again now." But we we have to look forward. We have to look beyond just saying, "Look, let's go and pluck a Trapattonio out again. Let's go and get a, a coach that hasn't got a clue about our game." Has never watched the League of Ireland game. Has never, never even studied the structure of Irish football. And we're going to go and pluck a coach out of nowhere. And we're probably going to go back ten years. Yeah, we might qualify for a tournament. He might get us over the line. But our, our the whole of our game, the whole of our system is centered around the, the men's senior team. That's the way that it, that's the way that it has been, and that can never be the case. Where is our structure for producing the next player? Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, whoever, Roy Keane, whoever it's going to be. Where is our structure? We can't automatically just solely become focused on going, right, where's our next player that was born in England that, that's going to come and play for Ireland? That, that cannot be the case. We, we, we've gone from those days now. We've got to centre our our development or our whole programme on developing players, certainly from within. If somebody becomes available and they want to come and play for Ireland and they're English-born, great. But we don't need to go searching for those guys. We don't need to go telling someone, ah, you're Irish, come and play for us. They've got to... I feel they've got to have a feeling to want to come and play for us, first of all. Yes, they might not necessarily be the, in, in, in an England squad or a Scotland squad at 23, 24. But that cannot be, that cannot be, sorry, it's not the phone down there. I'm getting a bit um, annoyed here. But anyway, but that, 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 that cannot be the whole, the whole purpose of our international side, you know, going elsewhere to look for players. We've got to find a way to start producing our own players that, yeah, we have to bump them up the ladder. We've got to get them into better leagues, into better teams. Their exposure to better, better players day to day has got to be, has got to be better because we, we, we're not going to be able to have a, a, a better side further down the line. But 
we can't be just saying we're going to go and pluck somebody out of out of an academy in in Brighton or Man United or Liverpool, wherever it is, at 16, because you know they've got a chance to come and play for us when we know full well that down the line they're probably going to turn the back. They're using us just to put themselves on a on a different on a different platform. So I'm not. I, I could never could never agree with that sort of mindset. Anyway, I think we we have to have a system in place, and I think in general we are starting to do that. It looks to me like there's there is a plan. The, like albeit it's baby steps at the moment, and maybe maybe people can't see that. But I think there is a plan. There's a structure in place that we've got a succession plan now going forward, and we've got well, if Stephen Kenny fails in in the in the next Euros and you know, we don't qualify, whatever it would be. I think he knows himself. He's not going to be around for the World Cup campaign in, in four years' time. But I do think that we can't go saying then, let's go and get a coach, let's pluck a coach out of nowhere that doesn't necessarily have a background in our game. I'm not saying it's an Irishman. I'm not saying, look, let's go and get an Irishman. But they've got to have an understanding of what our game is all about before before they're given the job. That that That's what I believe in and that's what I think it should be. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you feel this uh, at the World Cup like that, you know, you probably taught this before, but you're literally immersed in the best football teams and football uh, countries. And your takeaway is that actually, if we focus ourselves on our own systems and stop looking outside for some miracle messiah, that actually uh, we might begin to make progress that's sustainable and like long term yeah. sustainable. And we'll have a football culture yeah. that leads towards hopefully success. But Jay, I, I've, I've seen it so much, and you've probably seen it as well. That you know, narrative around different like like Twitter feeds and and whatever. Oh Jesus! Imagine if imagine if um, if if we had all these English players playing for Ireland that are all eligible to play for Ireland. What our team would be like? I think Jude Bellingham's eligible. I think obviously Declan Rice, uh, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, all these guys. Like, why are we centred solely? That's our, that's our that's our. Maybe it's been ingrained in us since Big Jack's days and all that sort of thing. And I, I supported the team. That was that was my era of supporting the team. I, I was on board with everything Big Jack was doing, and you know they brought me my my own personal memories. But but we understand that we we were burned by by Declan Rice in a big way, and even maybe Jack Greenish to an extent. But more Declan Rice, who who came in and used our system to get where he naturally wanted to be in his career, and. I, we can't be having that again. It, it, it probably will happen to us again somewhere down the line, but we cannot be solely focused on going into an academy overseas just to get a player that's Irish, el- that's eligible to come and play for us, knowing full well that that player might not necessarily even go and play in a senior team. It's just, it, it seems wrong to me. It, it, it is wrong to me. And I, I, I don't want that to be the, the narrative around our squad solely looking at other nations to go this is they could have played for us he, he's eligible to play for us I don't I don't see it as that we've got to we've got to get our own house in order before we go look elsewhere Kev great stuff as always thanks a million thanks Joe thank you enjoy the final talk to you soon OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 